The Inside Learning Podcast is brought to you by the Learnovate Center. Learnovate's research explores the power of learning to unlock human potential. Find out more about Learnovate's research on the science of learning and the future of work at learnovatecenter.org. Welcome to the second season of the Inside Learning Podcast, brought to you by the Learnovate Center in Trinity College, Dublin. I am your host, Aidan McCullen. Today's guest draws on multiple research disciplines, including psychology, artificial intelligence, philosophy, neuroscience, learning sciences, linguistics, anthropology, sociology, and education. He provides insights into the functioning of the mind and synthesizes this understanding into practical tools and exercises that help develop new skills and achieve personal and learning goals. It is a pleasure to welcome Professor of Psychology and Marketing at the University of Texas at Austin and Founding Director of the Program in the Human Dimensions of Organizations. He is also the author of a multitude of titles, but the focus of today's episode is Smart Thinking, How to Think Big, Innovate, and Outperform Your Rivals. Art Markman, welcome to the show. Aiden, great to be here. It's great to speak to you again, Art. I had the pleasure of spending a couple hours with you in the past, and I thoroughly enjoyed our experience and your books. And I thought we'd start the way you do in the book, Smart Thinking, with an overview of how the mind works, with a focus on how we can replace self-limiting habits with those that can foster smart thinking. Thanks. It's, it's great to be talking with you again. And and you know this idea of of effective thinking of smart thinking is something I've cared about for a long time because I think a lot of people don't really understand enough about the way their own minds work and as a result they don't necessarily approach learning opportunities in the right way and I think that that when you look at the most effective thinkers they have three things in common they develop pretty good habits, largely habits around learning, and, and we'll, we'll dig into what those are, but, but, but we, we do those um, habitually rather than having to really set a firm agenda for them. And then those habits help to do two things. The first is to help us to maximize the quality of the knowledge that we have. And it, it turns out that a lot of times we tend to focus on, on our learning of facts. And facts Facts are great, but but a lot of what really helps us to be effective thinkers, innovative thinkers, is is to understand why the world works the way it does, to understand the causal forces underlying what goes on around us. And then uh, even after we've acquired all that knowledge, if we don't have the capacity to use that knowledge in the right circumstances, then it's just... It, it's just it's just like we don't have that knowledge at all. And so we have to actually also hone our skills to be able to pick out the right knowledge at the time that we need it. And I think that the, the most effective thinkers are good at all of those. One of the things that is so practical from your work and makes absolute sense, and you break it down to make it very simple for us, which is actually one of the great skills of being a smart thinker, in your books, you talk about the go and stop systems, but particularly what I found great to understand is that people aren't broken. It's not like we come into the world with these broken ways of thinking, broken mental models. We pick up ways of working. And the big trick is that we develop these habits 
And we need to learn how to develop new complementing habits, as well as to let go of habits that perhaps are no longer serving us. That's absolutely right. You know, the, the funny thing is a lot of people only talk about habits when they're thinking about bad habits and things that they have to change. The fact is that, that most of our habits actually serve us quite well because they our habit system is that system that enables us to take the actions that we have performed regularly that have done good things for us and to do those mindlessly, really, by by uh, essentially creating a fairly direct path between the state of the world that you're in and the action that you need to perform. And, and that's that's quite a positive. But unfortunately, when habits go bad, we we often spend a lot of time really relying on can I stop myself from doing the wrong thing and and as you point out the the brain has this stop system in it that tries to intervene and stop you and it that system doesn't work particularly effectively what we what we need to learn to do instead is to reprogram that go system that system that drives us to act and and that really requires creating consistency creating a consistent set of new actions in a situation that that are now associated with a different uh, outcome a different action and you know when it when it comes to thinking you know we've developed a lot of habits that are unfortunately not so good for us in in the way that we learn so the presence of multiple threads on on our browsers the presence of our cell phones all the time have put us in a situation in which we often don't concentrate for particularly long periods and unfortunately really comp learning complex material requires that you actually take uh, a certain amount of time with that material and and work hard at it and and so you've actually got to find ways to avoid those distractions that plague us in most situations. There's so many great examples in the book. And I wanted to share some top level insights into how memory functions, and how to improve the quality of what we learn. And a, a lovely example you share in the book is when your son while doing his homework one day had reached an impasse. And to tee you up here, a quote I pulled from the book goes as follows, you say the thinking habits you have are not part of some mental toolkit you were born with smarter thinking requires developing new habits that complement the ones that have already brought you success. So we learn how to learn over time in school, or through the education system. And in a knowledge economy, we need to be continually learning, we need to have that learning agility that will bring us continued success as the world continues to change. No, I think that's right. And, and unfortunately, uh, if you look at the way that our school system is set up, it often teaches us uh, habits that are not always that conducive to the kind of learning we really need to be doing. Because if you think about it, you spend a lot of time in school answering questions that the person who asked the question already knows the answer to, which is a little weird because a lot of us really need to learn to answer questions that nobody knows the answer to yet. And and often, because we know that the person who, a, who, who asked us the question knows the answer already, we, we, sometimes we try to wait them out a little bit. So they ask us a question, and we try to get hints in order to figure out which answer they wanted. And, and really, that's, that's not going to help us in the long run. We, what we need to do instead is to recognize that the kind of learning we need to do is, is learning on our own. Uh, learning in which we we try to deeply understand things about the world around us. 
And probably most importantly, we need to learn things even when we don't necessarily think we're going to need that knowledge later. Because the other habit that we need to unlearn from all of our years of education is that every class that we take has a curriculum to it. In college, your course has a syllabus. And what a syllabus teaches you is this smart person who's teaching the class, they know what it is that you need to know. And, and so you then try to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I actually learn the, just the material that I'm supposed to learn? And in fact, it gets even worse than that. Students become adept at realizing not everything that is on the syllabus is actually going to be central to what the faculty member cares about. And so they end up doing my least favorite thing uh, in, in all the years I have its teaching, which is they, they start to ask, well, when you teach something, they ask, is this going to be on the exam? And, and what that suggests is that I, as a, as a professor, know which pieces of information you're going to need in the rest of your life. And I don't know. Uh, I, I can't tell you whether a particular thing you learn is going to turn out to be valuable. You're going to discover that later when you suddenly find a use for that piece of information. And so when students come to me and ask me, is this going to be on the exam? What I usually tell them is yes, but uh, maybe not my exam. I loved what you said there, because that is the bane. I do adjunct professorship in Trinity College also, and it really irritates me because I'm trying to help students develop new habits. I'm trying to present to them learning how to learn. And they often see that as a waste of time because they're like, I just want to inhale all this information, be able to hold my breath long enough to get through the exam, vomit it out on a page and get through all this. And for, for a teacher who actually cares about teaching, that just goes against every principle that you have. And one of the principles I use for my mental model for teaching goes right back to Plutarch that said, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. And that really just goes so far off the mark for so many students. And it irritates them because they're just like, oh, look, here, listen, chief, I just want to get through these exams. I'd love your thoughts on that because that is a real challenge with teaching. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's absolutely right. You know, we're we're really trying to get students excited about learning, and part of the part of what limits that excitement is that our students begin to think that the knowledge that they use is only going to be uh, necessary for that particular class, and so and so we think, well, I'm I'm taking a class in psychology, or I'm taking a class in history, and so I'm only going to use the knowledge that was associated with that particular class uh, in that class. And, and what we need to learn fundamentally is, is that all of the knowledge that we have is fair game for answering questions. And so when you get stuck solving something because you, you don't know enough about that area, that doesn't mean that you don't have knowledge that's going to help you. And this gets back to um, you know a, a story I tell in the book about my uh, my son was doing homework, and he was it was an electricity. Uh, he was he was he was doing something with with electrical circuits, and you know the he he didn't he hadn't really mastered the electricity piece of it yet, and so he was like, well, I just don't know how to do this because I don't know I don't know enough about electricity to do this, and and before I let him stop and just give up and say, well, I haven't learned the right material yet, I, we started thinking a little bit about well, is there other stuff that you might know about? that might actually give you some insight into how to solve this problem. Because that's, 
in general, I mean, think about what happens when somebody asks you a question in an area where nobody knows the answer yet. You, you can't just wait until somebody comes and teaches it to you. You've got to find uh, some other area of knowledge. And, and in this case, you know, we, we landed on, well, I don't know anything about the flow of electrons through wires, but, but you know, he, they, he certainly knew about the flow of water through hoses. Uh, and, and, you know, he would, he would even create the equivalent of electrical resistance in, in hoses because I would go out and sometimes wash my car on the driveway and he would like put a little kink in the hose uh, to, to stop the flow of water, which is kind of like a resistor slowing down the flow of, of electrons or limiting the flow of electrons through wires. And so we were able to kind of work through this kind of analogy and give him some insight into how to solve the homework problems, even though he hadn't really mastered the, the information in, 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 within the domain. I think what's important there, the, the key lesson there was, you know, don't stop just because you're stuck on, you know, I don't know the particular knowledge relevant to this, because there's almost always something else you know that might help you to, to, to get some insight into what you're facing. I love that as a message. If there's one message I, I got from this book, it's that you can convey new knowledge through old mental models. And if you can land that like you did for your son, it's just a wonderful achievement. But one of the things I wanted to go right back to the start, very, at the very start of this book, you say that to get started on the road to smart thinking, it's valuable to evaluate your behavior first. And it made me think about a quote by Peter Drucker, he said, if you want to start something new, you have to stop doing something old. And I thought of that quote, because this section on self knowledge is so important, we have to evaluate our current behaviors. And also, we have to let go of some things we do in order to make room for new things. And I work part time as a, an exec coach as well. And I run workshops and in innovation. And oftentimes with the exec suite, that's the thing you say to them, you kind of go, look, you're at capacity already. What are you going to stop doing in order to do new things? And the faces go blank. But this is a real important starting point for smarter thinking. Yeah. I mean, being an effective thinker takes time. And if you think what happens, you know, in the modern workplace, most people are slammed. I mean, they, they, they run from one meeting to the next. They have very little downtime. And, and there's this desire on people's part to be productive at every minute of the day. And one of the things that people actually need to learn to do, particularly if you want to be at all creative in your thinking, is, is to build more gaps into your day. I mean, to, to recognize that we, we generally overschedule ourselves and that learning takes time. It's slow. Uh, in order to really learn how the world works, you have to explain things back to yourself. So it's not enough just to read something or to listen to a smart person say it. Uh, you listen to a smart person say something and then you think, oh, now I totally get it. But really what happened was you followed along with somebody else who got it. And, and, and in the moment you thought, okay, that makes perfect sense. But unless you explain that back to yourself, you have no idea whether you know it or not. So you have to take that amount of time and then when you're when you when you really have some difficult problem to solve, you actually sometimes need to give yourself some time and space to allow that uh, allow yourself to think through it in different ways, to to ask the question of yourself in different ways. And and if you don't give yourself that time, then you're you're really not going to be as effective a thinker. But 
But that requires, and as you were saying, what that requires is taking a step back and saying, well, wait a second, what am I going to give up in my current schedule so that I actually have some of that time to do things that are less directed at a particular task, but are going to help me to be an effective thinker in the long run. And just for those interested in this, Art offers that quiz on his website as well, and we'll tell you where to find that in a moment. Art, a final message I thought to our audience is about, well, firstly, it's very obvious, the, like Tolstoy said, everybody thinks of changing the world, but nobody thinks of changing him or herself. So we got to start with ourselves if we're going to change how others learn for those people who work in education. But what's your final message for, for effective teaching the next generation to be deal with ongoing le learning, lifelong learning, longer life learning as well as we live longer over the next decades and centuries, hopefully as long as the planet lasts that long. What's your message for that audience? Yeah, I, I think the most important thing that we can do is to really strive to understand as much about the world around us as possible, whether we think at the moment that it's relevant or not. And, and I think that, that we, you know, we have to, we have to stop thinking that there's a way of short circuiting our learning to learn all and only the information we need. Uh, we, what we have to do instead is just to, to, to learn broadly. So, so take up things that, that you never thought were going to be relevant because you never know how they're going to turn out to be relevant and learn deeply, explain stuff back to yourself, uh, you know, read read something carefully, uh, you, you know, talk to other people about it, build up little groups that, that, that you, you know, of other people who, who are willing to discuss these things and, and create a community of curiosity. Because I, I think that, that the more that we know about the way that the world works around us, just the more different types of, of problems we can solve. And, and frankly, even if we're not trying to solve problems, the more you know, the, the, just the more interesting the rest of the world becomes. And it's one of the great gifts of doing a podcast, as you know, because you have your own very successful podcast. Where can people find both your website that covers all your books and includes that diagnostic, that self-evaluation that we mentioned a moment ago, but also your podcast? Yeah, so if you want to find out a little bit more about the books and, and the podcast and other things, you can go to smartthinkingbook.com. And, and I've got links to the books, I've got links to the podcast there. So you can you can find all that material there. But also, I, I, I write a lot for Fast Company and Harvard Business Review and, and, and Psychology Today. And you can if you follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn or, or Facebook, uh, I have an, an author page on Facebook, you can you can find the, the latest things I'm writing that that also link back to uh, to some of the other material. It's always such a pleasure to spend time with you, author of Smart Thinking, How to Think Big, Innovate and Outperform Your Rivals, Art Markman. Thank you for joining us on the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnovate Centre here in Trinity College, Dublin. Thanks, Aidan. Always a pleasure. Next on the Inside Learning Podcast, it's a great pleasure to welcome the Academic Dean of Hibernia College, Dr. Mary Kelly. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aidan. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks a million for having me. It's great to have you join us. I know you're overseas and you've kindly given up your time from your holiday to join us, which we're very grateful for. We both listened to Art Markman there. The trust of the conversation was essentially 
how do we learn in permanence in times of rapid change where we actually have to unlearn in order to learn again but the challenge with that is the habits that we've picked up and I rather than focus on anything that Art said I'd love to hear from your experience you have vast experience going right back to understanding childhood learning right up to adult and executive learning and I'd just love to hear your thoughts and share them with our audience. Yeah, no problem, Aidan. And it was a fascinating interview, one which I really enjoyed. And it inspires a lot of people to sit back and reflect and, and think. And I think that's probably what Art was saying, that you know this maybe is the time to sit back and look at learning and look at deep learning and how we instill that and what are we looking from learning. And we can't separate learning from teaching learning and assessment and we can't get to today but something that struck me is you know if we're going to change learning if we're going to change teaching we are going to have to teach change the way we assess and what we expect of our young people coming up because I think it's only then that we really embed those excellent practices that we want for us in Hibernia College we have been designing learning a learning environment for the last 20 years Particularly, we have blended learning. Now, I suppose I'm talking at the moment from the context of working with adults, Aidan, but, you know, that the blended learning model really speaks to what Art was talking about, giving people an opportunity to independently learn, to learn flexibly, and then opportunities to reflect on that through discussion forums, through Zoom chats, through questions and quizzes and knowledge checks. And then when we bring our students face to face with us, then we assume that they have done an amount of learning themselves. So we don't come and start and give it all and regurgitate it again. We assume that they've come with an understanding. And then the face to face event is the opportunity to really deepen the learning in the context sometimes of teacher education. It may be that we're modeling strategies that couldn't be done online, but we're allowing them, I suppose, to come together as a community and to build and develop professional knowledge that they need to have by questioning each other, by talking to each other, by having access to a tutor. So when we're talking about designing learning, we have to underpin it with a universal design for learning. Not everybody learns in the same way. And I think we really, in the school system and in in third level, we're really going to have to come to terms with the variety of ways in which people learn. There is no one size fits all. And maybe perhaps in the past in Ireland, we have put everyone through that same system. But I think what's shaping up and what's really coming across in, in a modern 21st century society is that all children learn differently and we have to provide those opportunities. And, you know, we are the largest provider of primary school teachers. We have post-primary teachers. And what we're trying to do with our teachers is to give them a different experience so that when they go into their classrooms, they will be open to that as well. They will see an opportunity to to teach children in a different way. Um, You know, if, if you look at the world of work, in the last six months, Aidan, how it's changed. I mean, remote learning, flexible learning, using technology to really enhance that. We've got to do the same in schools. We've got to be brave and bold uh, and look and see what the opportunities are to, you know, use that technology to not just uh, as art and yourself, I think you mentioned it as well, you know, teaching to the test or regurgitating what is like, you know, a a lot of children have a lot of knowledge already about things. So what does school give? It has to give the extra pieces and and third level. And and what we do, as I said, is, is to deepen that knowledge and to get students to reflect 
critically. We've only one exam across a two-year master's programme, and that's in Irish, which is, is, is quite a, a, a niche area. Everything else is assessment, continuous assessment driven, whereby the student gets a piece of assessment at the beginning of a module. They have that the whole time that they're working through their content. So there isn't this give me the exam, give me the question, give me, you know, they, they can assimilate the knowledge in in the comfort that they know what, what they're learning, what they're learning about, and then they can enrich it and they can add to it. Um, and we will always include in our assessments, for example, a critical reflection piece. So, you know, something where they have to go away and, and read or talk to someone else. And then I suppose in the way in which they give that information back, we also have to think about that in terms of learning. <clears throat> so for example, we might ask them to design a podcast or to create a video or, you know, to go out and take some pictures and, 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 you know, talk about how that reflects their learning. So there's lots of different ways that teaching learning assessment can happen. And I think there's probably a greater openness to it all after the last two years when people have been online and maybe, you know, had different experiences. And I think that's what people want. And I know, you know, you talked about lifelong learning there. What we're absolutely seeing at Hibernia College is people looking for flexibility, for an opportunity to learn in their own time, not to have to be in a, you know, a centre, not to have to be at, at there at a particular time, but to be able to do it in their time when it suits them and to have the support with that. And I think the danger sometimes when we talk in this way, Aidan, is that we often kind of feel oh well what about the social skills and I and I would never be suggesting that online learning will, will take over we absolutely have to have those social skills but there are opportunities to build communities of learners in different ways and and that can be done differently and I think as I said now is that time. I was thinking when you were saying that about how even children experience different learning during the pandemic so they were forced to homeschool and no choice but to do that. But then it also forced a different framework on top of teachers and different ways of teaching. So there was a benefit in the crisis, as they say, never let a good crisis go to waste. But many, many children thrived because of that different way of learning. Children that may have previously been seen as problematic or slow learners absolutely thrived. And I think that's often what happens in these moments of reflection. And it reflects back to what you said there about both adult learning has changed, but also we now see the benefit of that for both teachers and children as well, that everybody is a special needs student yeah. because everybody is so different in their learning. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that that, that is really important, you know, um, there is, as I said, I think there's always a danger when we talk about technology in classrooms that the people feel that it's going to replace the teacher. You know, after uh, 10 years of, of being in initial teacher education and, and I'm a you know trained primary te teacher myself, I, I will never speak to that. I, the teacher is absolutely core. But I think the learning and the learning styles and the learning ways can change for children and have to change for children. And, you know, uh, like there are children for, for lots and lots of reasons who can't make it to school every day. But, you know, we shouldn't stop their learning. And for example, online learning can can support that we know there are teacher our students in places around ireland who can't access particular subjects because maybe a school doesn't offer it online learning can can you know present that as well so 
it, it might be, you know, it might be a difficult conversation to have in education circles uh, for a while, but I think we, we need to start having it. We need to start looking at it. We need to start, th- you know, thinking outside that homogenous group of children and, you know, looking to the, the needs of children and, you know, some children they thrive on technology. They thrive on that way of being able to problem solve and code and, you know, really take technology to, to a new way. And, and I mean, it's, it's great now that computer science is actually a subject for leading search. I mean, I think that's a real step forward, um, even in terms of opening people's minds in relation to what technology can do. But I think the teacher has a role, a, a very, very important role, and, and that role will always be there. But I, as I say, I think that there are innovative ways now. In, you know, we hear a lot about a flipped classroom. Do we want children to just go into a classroom and all be learning the same thing at the same time? I, I don't think we can do that anymore. There will be children who will have more knowledge about a particular subject area. There'll be children who perhaps have no interest in a particular subject area. So we've got to hit all of that. And we really got to be open to accessing and making education accessible to all. It'll take time and it'll take bringing people with you, bringing parents with us, bringing, you know, other staff members with us, bringing the system with us. The university system is very points driven, so that will need to change. But, you know, if you look to, you know, what people are looking for now, they're looking for collaboration, for really good thinkers, for authentic learning, for trust leadership, all those really important skills, they can only be developed in, in a different way of learning. You know, I think it's an exciting time in education. I see the next five years as a real opportunity for us to, to kind of move forward in a different way. And, and certainly in my own organisation, Hibernia College, we are about to launch a master's in special and inclusive education, a postgraduate diploma in data analytics. We have a nursing degree. We're responding in a way because people are looking for a different way of learning. It's very exciting. There's a term that was used during the pandemic where the world is cocooning. Everybody was cocooning. And I I thought the, about the positivity of that, where it's just like the chrysalis, where there's something happening inside that cocoon. And hearing you speak there just brought all that rushing back. And we're at the point of this beautiful evolution where we're going to see a new butterfly come out and new education system. And like you said, we need everybody to come on the journey with us. Mary, for people who are interested in finding you and find out more about Hibernia College, where can they find you? So you can find my details on our website at hyperneacollege.com. And I'd be delighted to follow up with anybody who has an interest in having a chat. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Dr. Mary Kelly, Academic Dean of Hibernia College, thank you for joining us on the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnovate Centre here in Trinity College, Dublin. Inside Learning is brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Learnovate is funded by Enterprise Ireland and IDA Ireland. Visit learnovatecentre.org to find out more about our research on the science of learning and the future of work.